can you can leave that in, Dave, if you want me claiming that I'm an idiot. You know. Always. <laughs> <laughs>
and um, and there's usually three tunes in a set, each played three times. And as we're playing this tune, and the mandolin player, he's the one who had the colonoscopy, he's just flying along playing this tune, and he turns to me, and I'm playing my drum, and he turns to me, he goes, "What's the next tune in the set?" I was like. I don't know. I'm the drummer, you know, I'm like, so I look at this as like, all right, it's, it's father Kelly's and as he's playing the tune. He's just looking up in the air. He turns to me and goes, I don't know how that goes. And I was like, well, we got, we got, you know, about another time and a half through this tune. It'll come to you. Muscle memory is great. And we get to father Kelly's. And by the way, Mike and I are the only ones having this conversation. The whistle player has no idea this is going on. The guitar player has no idea this is going on. And we get to the next tune, father Kelly's and Mike doesn't know any note he just starts playing improvising this this tune guitar <laughs> player is just clueless he's playing the chords to father kelly's and it's all fitting because mike is just improvising over it but the funny one was greg our whistle player is trying to play along with mike and he's like he looks at his flute and he, loo, 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 and he looks at mike and he just sets his flute down picks up a shaker and starts playing <laughs> so, so we we got we got really pretty adept at uh, filling in the gaps when needed. So anyway, that's all right. That's Irish music at the Houdat Jedi podcast. Um, <laughs> yes, um, we actually uh, there was a little bit of that going on in my house on Monday. I had a couple friends from the Irish music session come out and play music on my back porch. So that was fun. Um, felt somewhat normal. So anyway. On the Star Wars, and I'm going to hustle through the trivia because we've got one of the best news stories of the year, I think, coming up. Right, Fredo? Yes, yes. It leads to stories. Oh, my yeah. goodness. This was, it was the, it was, uh, I got giddy over this one. Um, so anyway, but we are going to do trivia and Bill, you can't opt out. We're going to give you a, uh-uh. a question, but we're not going to make you start. So I'm going to go with uh, Dave oh. first. And by the way, this is from the uh, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit DVD edition. Um, so anyway, it's, so it covers episodes one through six. No uh, Disney stuff. Okay, right. but this is the uh, special edition Lucas uh, third cut of the uh, trivia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, most likely, yes. I uh, think we got into an argument over one of the questions at one point. It was like, <laughs> is this the special edition? Yeah, yeah, we're we're kind of nerdy every now and again. Okay, so Dave, how many horns protrude from the head of the average Gamorian guard, as opposed to the unaverage Gamorian guard? I'm going to look at my action figure. How many? How many, how many horns? <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's probably either two or four. I'm going to go with. Who? Gamorian. That, that, that's an MCU thing, isn't it? That's uh, Gamora. <laughs> yes, Gamora, yes. Yeah. I'm just, I yeah, just want to throw a little, little wrench in there. Well, I, everybody should be impressed that I knew that because they made me watch all the Marvel movies in, during this pandemic. Well, that was part of my yeah. homework. Lucasfilm, Marvel Studios, it's all Disney now. It's fine. Dave, yes, it is two horns. Ooh. Two horns. Ooh. Way to go. <laughs> You're smarter than the average Gamorrean guard. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Fredo, we'll go to you next. Okay. Um, what does the Death Star's thermal exhaust port direct, lead directly to? What does the Death Star's thermal exhaust port lead directly to? 
It sounds like a trick question. The thermal exhaust? <laughs> That's your answer? Yeah. It goes to the reactor. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. say, if you would have asked me, it's just a small port right above the main port. But uh, yes, it goes to the <laughs> reactor. So I, right. I, I'm, I'm feeling some heat right now because uh, <laughs> uh, these, these, are, these are so specific, uh, specific within specific within even more specified uh, trivia questions. Like I, I'm, I'm a, I was a big Star Wars fan in the, in the 90s. I'm still a Star Wars fan now. Uh, but goodness gracious. I mean, I'm like William Shatner on that SNL episode where he was speaking to the Star Trek. Fan. <laughs> Guys, it's just a TV show. Get over it. One of the one of the best things I ever saw was Anthony Daniels. This is at the first Star Wars celebration in Denver, oh, no. and he um, he was host. He was doing this whole spiel, and um, and somebody he was talk he was interviewing somebody in the audience, and they were saying how they spoke Hatties, and he's like, I thought only Star Trek people did that. It was, like, <laughs> yeah, it was a major major burn. I bet Anthony Daniels got a kick out of that though, because uh, I mean that guy is just all all Star Wars dedicated completely. Yeah. All right. Well, Bill, right. here come, here comes your question. Who fires a blaster bolt that ricochets off the walls of the trash compactor? <laughs> Doesn't everyone? <laughs> That's, uh, I, I, I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, you mean first or, because I, I want to say like both Luke and Han do that and maybe even Chewie. See, you're uh, as nerdy as the three of us. Um, I will say the one that we see. How about that? Oh, the one that we see. Uh, oh, goodness. Who, who would be brash enough and uh, macho enough to think that a blaster could penetrate a uh, trash compactor, uh, especially one in something as awesome as the Death Star, that uh, no one could penetrate and explode at all, especially not a, a rebellious group of kids? Um I guess I'm going to have to go with Han, but uh, part of me wants to say Luke, but I'll go with Han. It is Han Solo, but yeah. Luke did say he already tried. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. All right. so they, they established that. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, tried, so my, my question is what item do Luke and Han each don before battling TIE fighters in the Falcon's gun turrets? And those are communication headsets, right? Yeah, it says a headset. Right on. Cool. All right. Well, that's trivia for today. That just gets our uh, our Star Wars <laughs> juices running here and gets us in the right mindset. Um, yeah, I'm, flowing. I'm flowing right now. So, but we got we got to get to some news, Fredo. Um, and I, I, are we going to lead with the best thing? We should leave with the best thing since I don't know how long my internet will decide to crap out you know, right. or McClunky out next. So let's go with coming this November to Disney Plus, you will get the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh no! Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing it's not a remake of the original. Oh, boo. It's an animated Fortnite adventure that's going to see Ray, Finn, and Poe and Rose help Chewie race back to Kashyyyk in time to celebrate Life Day with his family. So it's kind of a retelling of the original. It's and a retelling the other slash, slash uh, spin-off, maybe? Sequel? I don't know, because he's yeah, already celebrated Life Day. Yeah. Well, it's a younger thing. 
It sounds like the Force Awakens version of a new. Oh home no! Yeah, game, yeah, right? yeah. But so better because it's, it's a Lego. soft reboot. It's a so, Disney soft reboot of, uh, like of the holiday special, but without B. Arthur. So what's, yeah. what's really cool? What's really cool though is this is actually post uh, Rise still, of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. But are do we know? Are they getting the actual voices, or is it going to be people imitating Finn, Ray, Poe, and? As far as we know, it seems, like it's, it seems like it's going to be the cast members doing lending their voices. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they didn't like uh, Finn uh, uh, Boyega. Didn't he say that uh, he he was done? You know, but uh, as a musician, I mean, never if, say never. If, if there's a if there's a gig and there's free food and beer and you know a paycheck, <laughs> you take it. You <laughs> know, so yeah, that's that's how they're going to pay off Boyega, the guy that uh, went on these great righteous tweet uh, threads about uh, corporate takeovers and uh, race relations and stuff. No, we're, we're going to, we're just going to throw cash at them. Uh, so, so just FYI, the, the story goes, I'm taking this from Gizmodo, which uh, broke it today, says it's going to follow Ray and BB-8 exploring an ancient Jedi temple on a spiritual quest through time and space, which allows her to interact with Star Wars ghosts of light days past present and future oh okay and yeah. she'll be able to interact with both heroes and villains of the light and dark side from younger versions of luke and obi-wan to even palpatine and kylo ren oh you know and only you could only get away with this with lego you can only get away with this with lego yes. i think yeah. I, I think this is actually i think this is actually genius because if they do it live action, then it's just the holiday special all over again. But with Lego, you can you got that you have the um, okay to be campy. You have the you know, there's it can be silly. Yeah, it's it. So it's it, I, I'm all for this. I am so, all in. So but, my question but, uh, is, do you think? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that you know for certain they're not going to bring in Phil Lord or Chris Miller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like after after that other stuff, you know. My question is, do they bring back Lumpy? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lumpy, Lumpy. Yeah, Lumpy will be in there. But you we, know what's funny about this to me? I agree with you, Aaron, because you said, like, only Lego. Because I, it makes me wonder, did somebody pitch this over at Lucasfilm? I, I want to resuscitate the holiday special. And it was just, it's a no-go. It's a no-go. It's a no-go. And finally, what if it's Lego? <laughs> I see the conversation going like that because it just it can't be canon, and I think most of the Lego stuff isn't canon, or some of it isn't. Well, but let's also remember what one of the stories that Fredo was talking about either last week or two weeks ago, or whatever. You know, they're going to start. You know, at Galaxy's Edge, one of the festivals is going to be around the Christmas time is going to be Life Day, so they've got to get kids you know, hyped up about what life day is, you know, so this is, this is all, I mean, th this isn't like just somebody's pet project. This was, you know, if we're going to be doing uh, these, these two things have to be linked, you know, if they're oh. going to be doing a life day festival, the only people who are going to, well, Brittany and I were talking about this today when this came out, uh, my wife, you know, it's like people our age are going to totally get it on a different level than the kids kids are gonna kids are gonna dig it because it's lego and it's star wars and yay hey have, dad have you heard about this thing called life day and dave's gonna go well let me tell you about how life day started 
you know, but, um, but, but like I said, with this whole thing with galaxy's edge, it's got to, it's got to be a link. I mean, that's just the way you get kids excited. So yeah, they're probably, there definitely is in, in that sense. And, uh, just for the record, when I was chuckling a second ago, I was just imagining you, uh, telling your kid, uh, your, you know, your child, like, let me tell you about life day with like a bottle of bourbon and you're swimming. <laughs> like, you know what? When you work nine to five kid, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And you start getting into a rant and it's like, well, wait, dad, what does this have to do with star Wars? Back in my day before it was Jefferson Starship, it was Jefferson Airplane. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> you know, life day is a lot like uh, women. And then the kid's like, what? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, uh, you... <laughs> never mind. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> All right. Moving on then. Yes. Uh, pick okay. it up. Yeah. Oh, we, okay. we lost well, it for a bit, Fredo. Yeah. We lost oh, it. No. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. Like I said, Cox, thank you. Uh, um, McClunky, anyway. Yeah. This podcast uh, brought to you by... McClunky. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so Adriana Jonah is joining the cast of Cassian Andor. It's been confirmed. She's uh, an actress who was just in the Netflix movie Six Underground. And um, she is uh, taking, you know, she's going to be part alongside Diego Luna, Stellan Skarsgård, Genevieve O'Reilly, have, they haven't specified what her role's going to be, what her name's going to be, et cetera, just that she's joining the cast. Well, that's very cool about, uh, I mean, not, I don't know much about this actress. I know Six Underground uh, from Netflix, the Michael Bay, uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, crazy um, super magnet movie. But uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I do know uh, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, not personally, of course, but I know of him. And <laughs> uh, that sounds really cool. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to be doing it. Star Wars uh, movie. Uh, I, I almost feel like as excited as when I heard, well, maybe not as excited, but a little excited as when I heard of uh, Werner Herzog being in, uh, Werner Herzog being in The Mandalorian, you know? So uh, that's right. yeah. Which, you know, the good thing, you know, the thing I'm noticing is that it's moving, it's progressing. They're moving towards filming, they're proving towards uh, stuff, which actually I'll tap into next because uh, Diego Luna was being interviewed. Uh, because he's coming out with a net with a Netflix series, I believe, uh, a documentary series, kind of like sit around a table and talk about topics series. And they asked him about Cassian Andor, and he says, uh, shooting is starting around the world, so slowly we're going back, but there's no rush. So uh, there is an expectation that they are going to get back onto sets pretty soon, as we discussed, I believe, last week, and get back into production. I, I actually on a kind of a tangent I saw uh, is is like filming starting back up in Louisiana. Did I see mm -hmm. uh, an article some, about that? Yeah, there's been some articles about. Uh, to, to me, it's a, it's a, it's almost a little bit of a miscommunication thing. There have been articles saying that it's beginning to open back up, but I haven't read any confirmation that anything is actually being uh, done yet. Any anything being shot yet? Uh, my uh, good friend of mine, uh, Casey Moore, who's a uh, <clears throat> professional, uh, you know, uh, production guy. He uh, works in a lot of offices and, you know, does a lot of stuff like that in uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff on sets here in the in the area. And and he he went on a little bit of a thread where he said there's there's a difference between opening things back up and then uh, giving proper licenses and. Uh, uh, do it going through all the legal processes for uh, getting films 
back it, uh, in the area. So it seems like there's still a couple more steps to take, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting is that they know that they have to get going in order to meet whatever deadlines Disney needs it to meet. So uh, yeah. they're slow. They're slowly but surely ramping up productions. You know, too, I, I did want to mention that um, with the, the news of the new casting, I think she's Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Diego met, uh, talked a little bit about that and, and just how much it means to, to continue to have more and more actors who look and sound like him be affiliated with this kind of a property. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's awesome. We talk about representation on this podcast a lot and we're all for it um and so it's cool it's you know another another step forward mm -hmm. <laughs> was physically canceled so the con will happen digitally so virtually but it's instead of uh, happening in new york's javits center is going to happen on youtube and that's Which new york common new york comic con right the That's York right. Yeah. Common, yeah. The New York Common Con. Comic Con. <laughs> Comic Con. Okay, I got you. Yeah. It was very common for the Comic Con to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the new normal in 2020. If you're planning on having a major event, yeah, you're not. So when does <laughs> um, when the, when is that? When is the New York Comic Con? October 8th through the 11th. Right on. And then last but not least, I'll finish up with the with the nice news that. You know, if you were talking, thinking of getting a, a Baby Yoda Boppet, you can also get a Baby Yoda stress toy coming soon. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you want to squeeze that poor little guy? It's pre-order. Oh, oh, don't, don't, get, don't get me started, Bill. I mean, this is like we're, we're, training, we're training kids to be abusive to children. That's what we're doing. It's like... <laughs> Oh, no. Baby Yoda bop it, first of all. It's like let's, you know, let's teach kids to, you know, beat a child. And then the next thing is that yeah, the stress ball. Let's, you know, get, you know, squeeze, squeeze its head. Squeeze it until its eyes pop out. Yeah, this is disturbing. I don't <laughs> well, know what's going on here. We're not we're not I don't think we're talking about those weird little toys where the little uh the little eyeballs would come out every time you'd squeeze it, you know. Uh I think we're I think they're talking about like those balloons that they, they hand out and it's like, ah, I'm so I'm so stressed, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's I just the head. Yes, yeah, oh okay. Oh, okay. It's a, it's it's not a whole baby Yoda body, it's just the head with the little adorable oh. ears and a what? cute smile. That's almost even worse because it's like, yeah. could you imagine like a, a kid that's a little, maybe not disturbed, but definitely creative, and he sticks like a like a like a skeleton, uh, a dinosaur skeleton piece uh, up under the head, and it's like, hey mom, here's the spot. You know, I decapitated baby baby Yoda today. Yep. You know, like, oh my god. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't. Gosh, I don't know who's making these toys. But. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. There, there. Well, that, that's probably a small percentage of kids, if not even, maybe not even a small percentage. Maybe even like worse, like lower than that. That would even think of doing something like that. I'm just saying it's it's open. Now okay. that being that being said, you know, I'm in the 501st, and I have stormtrooper armor, and I have snowtrooper armor, and I would like sometime to have biker scout armor. And when I do, I you can sure as shoot and bet that I'm going to have a little messenger bag with you know with a little stuffed baby Yoda in there. So when I'm trooping, I can walk around and punch the bag every now and again. So that's, well, <laughs> did they do that in the Mandalorian. I don't remember that happening. 
Oh my God. Yeah. Last episode. Last episode. Yeah. They, oh my they God. I guess so. yeah. the biker scouts beat baby Yoda. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. The biker scouts. I thought, I thought you were like, I'm going to dress as a biker scout, but I'm going to pretend I'm the Mandalorian. So why would I hurt baby Yoda? You know, that would be far too confusing. <laughs> hey man, look, I, I, I'm I'm a critic and I'm OCD, so it's like uh, you know I, I have to overanalyze these things. Like, wait a minute, you're this, but you're also that. It's it's already bad enough that when people who are dressed as Tie Fighter pilots, people come up and say, "Man, that's the worst Darth Vader costume I've ever seen." It's like, ah, that Darth Vader. And, and, and to God, that happens to them all the time. They're like, oh, you're Darth Vader. Or that's the worst Darth Vader costume I've ever seen. It's like, damn it, Thomas, I'm never going to be Darth Vader. I wish I were. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just, I think I'm ready for a Baby Yoda toy that, uh, like, you can draw blood on. Because, like, isn't that the next <laughs> step at this point? It's, just, it's absurd. Uh, like we're just gonna beat on on Baby Yoda repeatedly. It's no, terrible. No. There's room for all sorts of merchandise, including those. Well, there, things. yeah, there, yeah, yeah. If you can, <laughs> if you can envision it, it exists. It, it exists automatically. Yeah, right. Like, hey, that would be a great idea. <laughs> hey, while we're talking about this, I I'm looking at my um, Tommy Wiseau bobblehead from uh, the room uh, I bought that almost right as I discovered that it existed they first sent me a t-shirt uh, and by mistake and I was like hey where's my bobblehead uh, and they're like, oh my god sorry it's crazy and I was like wait is this Tommy and you hang up the phone you know that wasn't true but he did they did send me a bobblehead and uh, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now I'm like yes they will merchandise merchandise just about anything and uh, yeah, Baby Yoda, in all all interpretations, you know. Yes, Baby Yoda chapstick, Baby Yoda the flamethrower. By the way, I did see, and I really want to buy I, one of those ads that pop up on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or anything. But I saw first of all, it, it I, the thing I saw most was the T-shirt that said Spaceballs, the T-shirt. And I'm like, I need to have that shirt. Then I saw that was also in the picture was Spaceballs, the face mask. And I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, all right. I was like, oh my goodness, I need that. So I'm gonna have to find that again and and order it from God knows where. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, there's a lot of creative stuff out there. But uh, well, so cool. that's it for the news. Well, thanks for the news, Fredo, and I uh, hope your internet gets better. Um, but let's move <laughs> on to the uh, the meat and potatoes of the uh, of the uh, episode tonight, and we're gonna uh, kind of pick the brain of uh, Bill Arsenault here, our uh, <laughs> our uh, wonderful guest. Um, and I guess I will throw it to Dave to get us rolling on that. I you know I thought a natural starting point for us would be to just kind of pick your brain about where the New Orleans film scene looks like at the moment. You know, um, you mentioned a little bit about how production um, hasn't really ramped up yet, but um, you know, how are, th what's the state of the union essentially? What does the, fil the film fan community look like? Is, uh, how long before we can expect to see productions? Um, all that fun stuff. Right. Uh, well, as far as the film fan community, I, I, 
I don't know what we what we call it. I want to say the movie going culture of uh, New Orleans or even Louisiana in general. Um, obviously, you know, theaters are closed except in the New Orleans area. There's uh, Zeitgeist right now, although technically that's St. Bernard, but I consider that Metro. And then there's um, uh, Britannia. Uh, Broad just closed up. Uh, Shalmet movies closed up before that. Uh, although they're going to come back, Broad is probably even going to do some drive-in stuff. Uh, Shotgun Cinema haven't really heard much from them, but I think they're just kind of doing a waiting game kind of thing. Uh, they did, however, take part in um, virtual cinema stuff when uh, Kino Marquis uh, came out from K Kino uh, Kino Lorber Studio, and um, they and Zeitgeist and Broad kind of teamed up on some virtual cinema stuff. So that was pretty cool, but. Yeah, right now it's 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 very light except for streaming stuff. That's the big thing, of course. That's it's like a duh, you know. Uh, I have no idea how many people are going to the Britannia right now. I haven't really talked to them about numbers. Uh, I do know they're at fifteen percent capacity right now, and I do know they're doing everything they can to make sure they follow every single protocol and and then some. You know, Zeitgeist has taken extreme measures even, uh, probably to the point of like, uh, I don't want to say hurting themselves, financially speaking, but definitely going above and beyond what they probably could be doing. I mean, they're they're offering masks to people who don't have a mask if, if they want to come in. They're, they've uh, removed seats from their uh, theater, you know, to kind of help really force the idea of <laughs> social distancing in a movie theater. Uh, the other day, don't we, though, don't we all do that anyway? <laughs> no, we don't. I don't want to sit by people. <laughs> That's the thing about movie theaters. Like, I, you know, even before the pandemic, it was still kind of like a, uh, like, I don't know. Do I want to sit next to anyone? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I think, as you guys know, uh, AMC theaters are opening back up uh, next week. They're going to start a, a, a little rollout with at about 100 theaters. Yeah. And uh, we even – I got a press release uh, – or actually, no, an invitation to see Unhinged, the uh, Russell Crowe Road Rage movie, and uh, it, for a press screening of that. And I was very surprised uh, that they were – you know, I was, I was like, what? how are you guys going to handle this? Are you, you, You're opening the theater back up just to us? What, what are you doing? And they're like, no, we're going to open it up to the public, but this will be just for you guys. And, you know, it's, it, I'm not sure if that's the right decision. I'm in favor of the independent theaters opening up in very limited ways, but it's just, it's, it's like this weird complicated situation where you want your theaters to thrive. You want cinema to be around, but you also don't want people to die because they saw Trolls World Tour. You know your your point. Your point is really well taken. You know, it's and as you were talking about, it, I started thinking about you know why restaurants are open but bars are not, and but movie theaters is one of those things where it's a finite amount of time. People, it, the reason why bars right now are closed down is because people stay in bars for a long, long time. Whereas they go into a restaurant, they eat their meal and then they're out the door. Movie theater is kind of the same way. Yeah, it's two hours, but if you can make sure that people are, um, you know, not sitting right on top of each other, 
<laughs> well, yeah. it, it, it better not be date night uh, in that case, you know, because uh, I, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to suggest anything of people. I just, you know, well, actually, when I saw uh, Empire Strikes Back, the special edition in 97, uh, I went to a local multiplex and uh, I was there with my dad and my brother. My brother was sitting to my left. My dad was sitting to my right. And sitting to my brother's left was a couple and they were just making out really hard. And uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and this is the Empire Strikes Back, and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, right, okay, hey, let's, go. yeah, the Empire's really striking back now, buddy. You know that kind of thing. And, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, and so my brother is clearly like getting upset about this. He's antsy. He's like, I I don't want to be here. So I, I offered to switch seats. I did. We did. And the couple looks at me and they go, thank you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, fine. And then they continue, you know chowing down on each other's faces while Darth, Darth Vader is looking for his son. Well, we don't know. It's well, we know, but it's, we don't, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> spoiler um, alert. Yeah. Spoiler. Oh my God. You know, that calls they, stop. They, <laughs> they stopped at that moment. He's his dad. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that, that kind of leads into kind of our, our standard question um that we ask everybody like what was your introduction and upbringing with star wars what was what's your earliest oh. star wars memory uh, my earliest memory was uh walking in on my brother and my dad watching uh rocky four specifically the um no easy way out montage uh so my my memory is this collage of of Dolph Lundgren bloodied and bruised, and then Rocky bloody and bruised, or no, Rocky driving, and then Apollo Creed falling down onto the crashing into it, you know? So that's kind of how everything kicked off for me. But um, with regards to Star Wars, it's not really one of the movies. I guess if there was a movie, it, it would be Return of the Jedi that kind of started it. I guess because that's the more family-friendly one-ish. Uh, you know, it was you know, the Ewoks and, and everything. And, uh, I, I don't remember when I saw that. I was born in 85, so the movie had already come out by that point. Uh, I, all I remember initially w was the toys and specifically my bed sheets, which were Return of the Jedi bed sheets. And we had those for the longest time, well into my teen years. I didn't, I didn't use them. We just had them, you know. And uh, we eventually uh, gave them to other family members, you know, like, hey, you know, hand me down. You guys want some Return of the Jedi? You know? You know, we didn't really think like uh, this is collectible. We just thought, you know, it's practical. Just, just use it. You know, and uh, I think they did, or maybe they sold them. I don't know, but <laughs> but that's how I was introduced to it. I was introduced to it through that and through uh, recorded off TV VHS copies of Empire and Return of the Jedi. I, I don't think I saw A New Hope for until we. I was old enough to go to the video store. Uh, so for the longest time, I, I only had the two thirds of the trilogy uh, in my uh, in my head. You know, uh, I was like, "Wait, this this has a part one, <laughs> you know, or part four rather." You know, uh, I wasn't aware of that. And of course, when they all came out on video, and then special editions were announced, I was like, "Oh my god, this is my chance! I can I can go see it in the theater." And I remember for the longest time I had this uh, newspaper clipping from the uh, uh, the local paper, and it was uh, an interview or some kind of gossip of, of uh, George Lucas talking about 
his ideas for uh, Star Wars, and he, he mentioned some a word. He mentioned a word that stuck out to me because I'd never heard this word before with regards to movies, and it was prequel. I was like, I th- okay, I know sequel, but prequel? What, what's, a, what's a prequel? And I was like, oh, it's this was in sixth grade, and I was like, oh, prequel is before? And I was like, oh, episode four. So there's three. I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, we know what happened from there, but um that that whole era 95 to 99 and after that i guess 95 99 i was i was hooked i was a super star wars fan my mom every time we go to um finish a baseball game a little league baseball game we'd go to kmart or target or something and and stock up on some toys you know i think this one lady actually stole a card of ours that was filled with star wars toys and and my mom came home and she was like, I couldn't get you enough Star Wars toys. I was like, well, I didn't ask for them, but why? Well, what happened? And and she she was like, this lady just stole them, just took the card. I was like, well, she didn't really steal them. She just well stole them from you, but you didn't buy them. You know, uh, <laughs> well, it's a fair game. You know, it's, it's you're playing uh, shop. Uh, what's that? What's that game show that's now on Netflix? But was uh, oh, uh, yeah. Supermarket, uh, supermarket, sweep. supermarket sweep. Yes, it's, it's like that, you know, but with Star Wars toys. Uh, and I still have, I could probably get it out of my closet now because there's an audio component to this. I have a Star Wars C-3PO case, which still has uh, action figures inside. And when you press the button on it, uh, C-3PO talks. Right on. Yeah. So, so what I'm getting at is my introduction to Star Wars was through the advertising and the toys <laughs> And the exploitation of labor and uh, all that cynical junk, you know. But it wasn't cynical. Merchandising. Yes, yes. It wasn't cynical for me at first, though, because it was it was magical, you know. And then part of it still is, even though it's they're just hunks of plastic that someone made for pennies on the dollar, you know, and then sold for God knows how much 20, 30, 50 bucks, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I found it to be very, uh, very cool for what it was, you know, at the time. And two degrees still is. And then from there, I just absorbed as much content as possible. I was, uh, I didn't subscribe to the magazine, but I did uh, seek it out whenever I went to the bookstore, the the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Insider. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that magazine. Man. Same. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> Uh, you know, to, real quick, you mentioned Rocky Four. I will say, and, and you're 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 a film critic. I will say, Rocky Three, one of the most disappointing things in that movie is when Rocky's having the flashback to his um, first fight with Clubber Lang. Yeah, and they show him get like a kidney punch, and he's wearing Apollo's American flag shorts, so it's actually footage oh. from the fight that is coming later but they used it in the flashback and wow. yes th- that's what made me say in rocky three oh come on <laughs> anyway yeah of everything in rocky four or rocky three i'm sorry rocky four no that movie's perfect but uh <laughs> rocky perfect for what perfect for what it is it achieves what it's going for uh rocky three uh you know for whatever you know issues that movie has you focus on the right things i think you know (laughs) well maybe the right things for you you know right things for other people you know they're like oh rocky and apollo they're dancing on the beach this is like top gun so what they're having fun 
You know, they're, fro they're frolicking. I, I like what you just said, though, about um, it. Rocky Four being perfect in what it sets out to achieve because yeah. it does it does what it's trying to achieve in that. that it, 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 defeat, yeah. it defeated communism. Do you? Uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, do, yes. do you evaluate the Star Wars movies in a similar way? I mean, or do does nostalgia enter into it for you? Do you have to put on your critic? Uh, glasses. Uh, I mean, like, how how do you sit there and try to evaluate a Star Wars movie? Because it's just such a big thing. Yeah, it's it's so deeply ingrained in, in global pop culture at this point. You know, uh, it was in deeply ingrained the first few years into it. Uh, quite frankly, um, uh, for starters, though, I don't my my, my critic glasses are the. Um, special edition Star Wars glasses uh, that you get with the, uh, uh, you know, with every proof of purchase. Uh, no, um, I'm talking, I was trying to do like a, a thing where you, you get those juice glasses, those glasses for drinking, you know, mm -hmm. like collect all four in the case, you know, that kind of thing. I think those came from uh, Burger King, right? They probably, they might as well have. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's I, I have some, yeah. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't judge. I think those are awesome, actually. Uh, again, merchandising, but um, uh, yeah, when I put those, you know, that when I get in that mindset, like, okay, I'm about to watch The Rise of Skywalker. How am I going to review this? Well, you know, there's, I guess, a couple of ways. I think there's no real right way to review a movie, even if, I mean, you got people like uh, famous critics, Roger Ebert, Pauline Kale, you know, uh, that had their own methods and you have critics now uh, who are still alive and are very prominent that have their own methods but also refer back to the methods of uh, I guess their mentors and the people they looked up to and they say well you got to follow those ABC uh, I don't think that's a bad idea whatsoever but I also have never written anything that I felt uncomfortable with um, in terms of uh, it not being a style that I didn't agree with. You know, if it's something that it had to, it has to be something that I'm completely on board with. It has to be something that it just, I just let be me, you know, if, if that makes any kind of sense, you know, like uh, I, 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 I follow the structure of, you know, you start with your opening paragraph, you introduce a thesis, you go on from the, you know, the body and make your argument, and then you end with, uh, you know, the thesis again, and that's your story, essentially. And, of course, there's a lot of things in between, but um, when it comes specifically to movie reviews, how would you rate it? How, what do you analyze? Uh, for the longest time, I, would, I, I used to tell people I, I would review a movie in the way that I would write my autobiography. You know, like every review for me is like uh, I'm telling a part of myself. And I, I eventually realized that was kind of full of myself to say. I think I was being lofty for the sake of being lofty. I wasn't realizing that. I was being very pretentious at that time. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now, you know, about a decade into being a professional critic, uh, I, I, you know, Looking at, at Star Wars movies, yes, they're big blockbusters at this point. Uh, actually, A New Hope, you know, um, while, yes, it was a blockbuster, it was also, you know, I would say uh, 
still had the independent flair of George Lucas, uh, Despite, you know, years later, he would kind of, I would argue, lose that, uh, probably just from being exhausted by all the Star Wars crap he had to deal with, <laughs> the yeah. fandom and all these different things. You know, I made The Phantom Menace. What more do you want? You know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm going to make more of this? I just want to go to Vietnam and film Apocalypse Now. That was yeah. a story, actually. He, they, they were going to send him to, to Vietnam at the end of the war. To go gorilla shoot uh, Apocalypse Now in its early stages, and and he was like, "Yeah, I was really going to do that." And it, and it later awesome. became called Tropic Thunder, <laughs> which was also, I mean, oh my goodness, that's pro provocation right there, uh, at its finest. Um, but rating a Star Wars movie, you know, uh, there is a huge level of excitement no matter what you say publicly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of critics, you know, there's a, there's a group of critics, or actually every critic is referred to on Twitter as being part of film Twitter. And we get together, a big movie comes out, and a lot of people are kind of like, you know, there's this class of people that are kind of, of critics that are very uh, cynical, you know, like, like, oh, what's next from James Cameron? You know, when are you going to finish Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5, huh? You know, and I'm like, well... Okay, but he's really working on it, you know, and that's something. Uh, I don't know if it'll be something, but he's working on it, and that says something. Uh, and when it, same when it comes to Star Wars, you know, a lot of there, were, you know, Last Jedi comes out. Almost all of film Twitter loved it, uh, except for maybe a small percentage. And of course, a lot of fans hated it. Uh, I think a lot of critics liked it because it was different. Uh, from the other uh, entries in the catalog, uh, you know, and people, oh, this is this is this completely changed things from the Force Awakens, and I was like, well, not really. It kind of just took the ball and ran with it, you know, and just it went in a different direction, but it it followed that lineage, you know. It was still kind of a in a line, you know, in a thread. Uh, my thing with Star Wars has always been. Uh, balancing <laughs> uh, the force, so to speak. But the problem is, is what is balancing the force? You know, they never really got into that until the Last Jedi. You know, in, in which in which case Luke explained to Rey, you know, you know the, the balance is that there is life and there is death, and you know they can't be one can't be more than the other or less than the other, uh, <laughs> which has a lot of strong implications when you understand that when it's been, been articulated finally before in the prequels it was like mace windu just says it you know and and it's like oh wait so you guys are the jedis you're in charge of the peace of the of the galaxy but the force isn't balanced yet like what is what does that mean you know are you guys upset that you're too in charge <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't get it you know what's the threat here so it was a little, you know, uh, with how that relates to criticism, in my opinion, is how to balance your excitement and your enthusiasm and your anticipation with the duties of, you know, like ultimately being a critic, ultimately analyzing and going, okay, how does this movie make me feel? How do I explain this to readers? How do I uh, <laughs> make it entertaining enough for readers to, under to get through the article from start to finish? Uh, without you know going over their heads or anything or feeling like I'm going over their heads and how do you make it 
convincing, you know, although I would argue that's not necessarily always the most important thing. It's important to get it through to the reader that this is how you felt. No, that you're you expressive. You know, I, I've said it before on this uh, on this podcast that you know when I saw the Last Jedi, um, my my friend who I've known since preschool, he called, he texted me and said, "I'm taking the family to see the Last Jedi, and I'm seeing all these reviews. Wh- what what am I in for?" He's like, "These aren't the uh, people are not really reacting well," and I said, "It is unlike." any star wars movie you've ever seen i said so just check your expectations at the door and that's the lesson that i so on one hand i'm going to say that's the lesson that i learned and we've talked about a lot in this podcast is that going into a a movie and try to manage your expectations but the on the other hand star wars has has built the monster and it's like i'm sorry but you made a trilogy that now every trilogy that's ever made, whether it's Star Wars, Star Trek, or Marvel, or whatever, is going to be compared to. So if you don't, you know, and right, wrong, fair, unfair, whatever, that's the way it is. You know, people are going to look at episodes one, two, and three, and how did that match up to four, five, and six? And people are gonna look at seven, eight, nine, and how'd that match up to four, five, and six, and one, two, and three? You know, that's just, that's what you created. So when you mentioned George Lucas, you know, it's like kind of burnt down on fans and stuff like that. Like I said, dude, you made that monster, you know? It's like, so it's it's, right it's, kind, of, it's kind of like the band who is like, you know, oh, we really like this album, but it's like, yeah, but it's it's not the same as, <laughs> you know, the album you did before, you know, it's, it's we, not we as good. We sold out, man. We sold out, man, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any room to blame anyone for anything except maybe, I guess, Disney, uh, you know, because they because <laughs> they own it now. Gauntlet they own it down. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, come on. You know, it's like it's kind of like when you're elected president. I'm not mentioning any president in particular. I just mean when you're elected president, if anything goes right, it was because of you. If anything goes wrong, it's because of you. You're kind of elected to be that person you know that we all kind of distill everything through you know if uh, if i lost my job well it's because you did you must have done something that or didn't do something you know that kind of thing uh same with disney uh no matter what uh faults uh are seen in the sequel trilogy and there are some of course but uh, ultimately you know yes it is their fault as are the successes uh now we were just talking about you were just talking about the last Jedi and expectations. Uh, I, I wanted to say uh, to I guess um, conclude my uh, and finally after my long rambling uh, answered the the question how do I rate the Star Wars movies now? You know, obviously when you're a kid, every Star Wars movie is excellent, even if it's the Phantom Menace. And to this day, I still kind of like the Phantom Menace. I I'm gonna go out and say something that might be i'm sure this has been said before but this might be a little controversial and i don't know how you guys are going to feel about this but i feel that the phantom menace is the best prequel uh that's me i i agree with I, you hands down hands down i feel yeah, okay good guest. yeah i agree with you. <laughs> i feel i i feel like it's the closest to what a star wars movie is supposed to feel like attack of the clones felt completely uh on automatic you know it felt like a machine was running it you know there, there was 
there was nothing to it. It was like when Anakin is going through that um that weird droid factory on the the insect planet towards the end. Uh, and he's running through the machines and the scene's going on way too long and it doesn't feel like anything's really happening, you know. Uh, and he had just committed genocide like five minutes ago. Uh, you know, it, it's like, huh? It, it felt like it was in front of a green screen or a blue screen, which that's exactly what it was. Uh, and not to say that's bad, but it wasn't because it wasn't reaching me then it was bad. It was bad because of that. And then he got Revenge of the Sith and everyone goes, oh, that's the good one. I'm like, well, okay, but did you see Revenge of the Sith? Like, really? You know, I would say it's the second best, of course, but it that's not saying much. Ladies, <laughs> you know, like, that's, ladies that's like and a, gentlemen listening to this podcast, Bill was not my choice to have on this podcast, <laughs> but he's my favorite. I, okay, okay. Smartest okay. guest we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I don't hate Revenge of the Sith, and and quite frankly, I don't even technically I don't hate any of these movies whatsoever. Uh, I think there's there's okay, there's this social network online for film critics and really for anyone called Letterboxd, right? And uh, there's this little rating scale uh, that looks like a you know it's like little blocks, you know, like uh, from zero stars to five stars. And the blocks can look all weird depending on, it's like a graph, can look all weird for, you know, anyone. That kind of represents how you normally rate movies. My scale or graph goes uh, up very steeply uh, from zero to five, meaning that I normally rate movies very well. Almost every movie gets some kind of a three or a, in between three and five. So I typically find the best parts of a movie and I really think that means something to me uh, more so than most of the other faults even if for the most part the movie was bad you know I'll still go that deserves credit because it did that one moment that was very good and those moments in time they really mean something because I'm going to remember it you know really, I'm really, really, quick. really quick sorry Caddyshack 2 yeah what, oh, you want me to pull a moment out of that? Uh, yes, yes, I will. I will. Randy Quaid. That's not a moment. That's just a person. I think almost any movie, well, not any movie, Christmas Vacation 2, come on, you know, horrible. But, you know, for the most part, Randy Quaid was like that weird bonkers kind of character actor that he had some range, but for the most part, he would just play weirdos because he is a weirdo. <laughs> And that was great because he, he he let people you're film actually, him. Doing you're stuff. actually finding something good in the worst movie ever made. But anyway, okay, keep going about that. Was, that, 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 was, that part was good, and so was the opening theme song. Other than that, the rest of it was pretty bad. Uh, oh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was pretty good. Oh, Mr. Westinghouse or Mr. Esterhouse. <laughs> I run a, I run a little uh, uh, hot dog stand. <laughs> or, That's pretty or, no, decent, it was, yeah. It was burritos or whatever. It was he was making some weird concoction that it wasn't even like a one thing or the other. He just threw it all in a flour tortilla and gave it to uh, the dude from uh, <laughs> from Unsolved Mysteries. Right. I, I, I can't, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> he gave it to that guy, and, and the guy's just baffled. He's like, like, "Why am I standing here in front of Dan Aykroyd talking like a crazy person?" And it's like, well, because Dan Aykroyd is a crazy person. Have you ever seen him on CNN talking about aliens not coming here because of 9-11? What? Well, that doesn't... You know. Anyway, Star Wars, yes. <laughs> Star Wars, Star uh, Wars. Um, I, I wanted to interrupt 
briefly just to say I really sure. like what you what you brought up about Last Jedi. Um, specifically how critics really genuinely liked it. Because I think like there was there's this online campaign against that movie that talks about how these critics were being bought off by Disney to make positive reviews for this movie that was clearly <laughs> awful. And I, I rep- really appreciate hearing, no, they just wanted something different. Um, because critics see a, a million movies every year. They, yeah. They're going to get tired of just seeing the same thing recycled over and over and over and over. So, you know, for that reason alone, just the fact that the movie's original, I think that that had a lot to do with why critics really enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but I, I, I want to kind of clarify here. Uh, we, a good critic doesn't want to be catered to. You know, uh, it's not you really shouldn't go into any movie with a, a particular expectation. You should always want those expectations to be exceeded. You know, you want it to be better than the last time uh, you went to a movie theater. Uh, sometimes it's like gambling. It's not always going to work out in your favor or in that favor. But when it does, I mean, that'll get you through even the worst moments in your life, you know, and um uh, Star Wars has meant that way to a lot of people, and they don't want that to go away. Uh, so when they see something like The Last Jedi, they get scared. Like this movie's answering questions, you know, that I didn't want, that I thought were already answered. You know, like what is the balance of the Force? What, what exactly does it mean to always be ha- having this endless war of the stars? You know, like what is what is the war? You know, what who's capitalizing off of what? You know. What's this? What's that? You know, is this ever going to end? And um, and they get. I think people, legitimately fans, got scared by that because it wasn't a traditional Star Wars film. It was doing things vastly different than what had been done uh, in the originals and even, uh, and of course, the prequels. Uh, you know, it was flipping the script, so to speak. It was a real challenge to them and. I don't mean to say that that was a challenge to intelligence. I don't, I'm not saying that was a challenge to anything other than expectations. And I think a lot of fans then jumped on board when other fans started talking about it online. And then that kind of just, you know, snowballed from there. Um, so I guess distilled down what I look for in a Star Wars movie is uh, encapsulated within The Last Jedi. And that is also what i look for in every movie and that is i want my expectations to be exceeded uh even if it's just by a little bit just that one little aspect in a movie that i will remember forever you know like uh, like for example for example it's almost like a muscle memory or a genetic memory like uh, i i might be uh, making a sandwich or doing something mundane you know and then i'll make a gesture and immediately in my mind, I will remember a gesture from a movie. And this sounds really weird and bizarre, but I'll remember a gesture from a movie and that will kickstart a scene from a movie or a moment from a movie that I remembered. And I'll, and I'll kind of think on that and go, oh, yeah. You know, I, I get those quite often throughout the day, throughout every day. You know, And there's so many great movies out there. And a lot of times I'll think of Star Wars, of course. When I was in middle school, I, I, <laughs> I used to... Uh, think of the the um, Millennium Falcon or one of the uh, rebel uh, X-wings uh, you know blasting off uh, uh, into a hyperdrive or 
that's that's a Star Wars word, right? <laughs> It's not yeah. warp. Warp is Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, when I was in middle school, I would, I would, whenever I was walking to class, I always recognized that I kind of walked a little bit faster to get ahead of everyone, and I would immediately think of uh, the the X wings getting away from the Tie Fighters, and uh, and I kind of would think in my head the song, you know, that kind of thing, and that kind of stuff. No matter what anxieties I had that week, that month, that year, that day, whatever, uh, that kind of stuff would get me through it. And so I would imagine for a lot of fans, for a lot of moviegoers, they feel the same way. For me, I feel that way. And that's exactly what I look for in a movie. Last Jedi completely 100% sums up uh, what I look for in these Star Wars movies. That being said, by the time the Rise of Skywalker came around, I was friggin' exhausted. Yeah, I think Period. a lot of people were. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the filmmakers were exhausted. Everyone, really. I mean, I I didn't see that movie for I don't know how many weeks, and and normally I see a Star Wars movie like right off the bat, like I'm I'm there. You know, I saw the Phantom Menace a couple times when it came out. The first time being the midnight before the actual. You know, technically it was the minute it was supposed to be released that day, you know. And uh, we, we just got in to the theater at the last minute before they were done selling tickets. And while I did think this is not a, a movie that I would have thought would, would fit in well with the original trilogy, it still felt like a Star Wars movie. Like, I'm watching this and I'm like, what's the Trade Federation? What? How come that... Peter, how come that guy from Superman 2 was in there for five seconds? Uh, what? How come that kid can't act? Uh, huh? But but then, the next moment, the duel of the fates, or uh, or even the, the cutting back and forth of those four stories, uh, Anakin being in space heading to the, uh, the, the Trade Federation uh, station, uh, the, the Gungans versus the droids, uh, uh, the the queen uh, leading the, the the security guards into the castle and or the palace and and then of course the Jedi. I really a lot of people had a problem with that cross that cutting to each one almost like uh, like it was madness. I actually liked that. I followed that completely and I was hooked. I I, <laughs> I actually was even Jar 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 had like the only real uh, as far as all the shit that he gets uh, character arc then. Now they didn't do it well because there were little things he did that showed cowardice, even in the moments when he was supposed to show bravery. Most of his bravery came from accidents, but he still went from being a super coward to being kind of more of a normal person who may have some timidness, timidness to them, but also capable of bravery. So that movie still had plenty of moments in it. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you, if a movie can exceed even the smallest of expectation, there's something to it, you know. And that's that's the, those are the kind of things I look for. I hope that uh, <laughs> that kind of that long-winded thing that started 30, 40 minutes ago, kind of uh, you know, sums it up. As you, one of the things I thought about is kind of similar to what my brother was was talking about when he was a guest of ours on the podcast. Um, you know, the thing is, a lot of us saw Star Wars at a very, um, you know, Episode Four. I mean, at a very um, influential age and it was also a movie that broke boundaries 
you know, on a, you know, from in many respects. And it, so Star Wars now is very much like the car where nobody really, I mean, it's, you know, you, it's every car is pretty much the same car, even though, yeah, mine might be a couple years newer than somebody else's, but it's still basically the same car. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. the first time that, you know, Henry Ford drove this thing out and said, hey, look at this. And everybody went, holy crap, what is that? And then after that, it's just like, <laughs> oh, look, now we got cup holders. You know, so uh, <laughs> well, seatbelts. You know, I think that's the... and that doesn't make any of these cars bad. Doesn't make Star Wars bad, but I think it's been. I think a lot of these movies have been unfairly judged against something that was groundbreaking. You know, yeah. it, so it's um, it's like you know, yeah, it's, it's like an like, albatross in a way. You know? Well, it's yeah, like, it's uh, kind of like you know, comparing you know various saint seasons to you know the super bowl season it's like well you know it's you can't compare them you know it's because you had that that long era of uh everyone wearing paper bags on their heads the really super hardcore saints fans and uh, almost everyone else you know thinking the saints were a complete joke even even us you know all of us thinking they were kind of a joke but they were our team you know there was still that pride you know like oh, let's maybe one year you know and maybe if we cheered just a little harder than last year, you know, and then lo and behold, we started having a couple of good seasons and then boom, you know, and that was, that was wonderful. Side note too, to that, I was recording that Super Bowl, and then I recorded the stations um, afterwards. This was all on VHS, by the way, that I was recording that well past VHS uh, being dead, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> I still have a VCR. Yes, I do. And, uh, um, I was flipping through the, the local channels, like, you know, anytime they were done with the commercials and they were going back to the people on the street. And this one, I forget which channel, it may have been WWL, but uh, this, this guy is interviewing this uh, clearly uh, intoxicated uh, but happy woman. And, uh, and she's like, she says, she's, she says, F them Colts. And he's like, why would you say that? And she's like, I said, who that? <laughs> I was like, all right, that was so cool, uh, you know, and uh, and I was really impressed with the fact that we didn't have any full scale riot. It was just complete celebration and jubilation, and I was like, that's exactly New Orleans right there. It's we're defying those expectations. You think we're gonna break out into war? No, we're gonna just pop open the champagne, buddy, you know, uh, <laughs> or the daiquiris, whatever, you know. We'll break open those uh, jugs of <laughs> of daiquiris, those milk cartons of daiquiris. Uh, you know, do you, but, <laughs> you know, it speaks to a point though that you know we're talking about by comparison, every other Saints season next to that one looks, you know, kind of mediocre. Um, yeah. But um, you know, does do you think that enters the picture for critics when they're when they're evaluating movies like this? You know, it's like. Yeah. You know, I uh, I grew up on A New Hope or and Empire Strikes Back, and those are the two greatest movies of all time. And so I'm going to be extra harsh on the newer films. Oh, oh, I see. Um, so your question is, do do I think that's reasonable or? Well, I mean, do you see it going on, and you know, what do you what do you think of it? Oh, you mean you mean you mean what do I think of it? And post sequel trilogy, do I think it has legs? That kind of uh, philosophy. Um, 
Well, uh, I'm not in favor of it, uh, for starters. Uh, thinking that you can uh, just compare, uh, it's easy to do, don't get me wrong. And it's, it's and there's nothing really wrong. It's, it's just natural that you're gonna go, well, Jurassic World is not Jurassic Park, you know, so we, should be, we shouldn't be holding it to that standard, but you're gonna hold it to that standard no matter what, uh, just by comparison's sake. You know, like Spielberg clearly did what Trevorrow couldn't do. I'm like, well, Trevorrow came off of safety not guaranteed. Like right. that was a small independent movie. And now he's not that a director can't go from one thing to another, but we're talking like going from something that was the scale of a regular person to the scale of a T-Rex, you know, like that, that's just a big jump. And um, now of course he eventually did the book of Henry and, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, in all fairness in that scenario, a, the move, the premise is bonkers. So by virtue of being bonkers, that's there's some value there and b or two i forget if i said one or a uh it doesn't matter they both are applicable um the book it was based on a book that was exactly that bonkers so i mean what do you want them to deviate <laughs> how and how are you going to clean that up for a movie you know so uh i'm, I'm just trying to establish too with trevorrow if we if we do talk about him later or if you guys ever do talk about him later that maybe he had written something good for Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. Uh, there, there's a whole thing about that, the Duel of the Fates screenplay. Hmm. But as far as that um, comparing movies to other movies that are either similar or are part of the same continuity or you know whatever, it's only natural, just as what Palpatine told Anakin in Episode Three. It is only natural, you know, uh, and indeed it is. But of course. Uh, saying that coming from a sith lord or as palpatine would say a sith lord he's a sith lord <laughs> I, I bet you anything the dude he, the actor uh and i can't i can never pronounce his last name uh mcdermott yes um thank you thank you uh i think i always i, I think i get him confused with uh marquin and that's the director of uh return of the jedi right marquan marquin yep uh yes <laughs> so i get those those names confused sometimes uh, but no, I, I, you, you got to imagine he was probably going over that line a million times in his head, doing multiple takes, you know, like, uh, <laughs> he's a Sith Lord. He's a Sith Lord. He's a Sith Lord. You know, that kind of thing. Then Obi-Wan's like, Ewan McGregor's like, dude, let's just get through this. Yeah, he's, well, Sam, he's, Samuel L. had a similar delivery of that, too, later in the yes, movie. I thought uh, you were talking Sith? about him. A Sith Lord? A Sith Lord. Lord, <laughs> his was better, of course. You know, you know, Amy Durham's like, uh, you know, you can't defeat him. He's a Sith Lord. It's like, oh, really? Well, how do you know about? Wait, how do you know about Sith Lords, Emperor? Pa pa <laughs> You're not the Emperor yet. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, comparing, okay, so comparing movies to other movies, I I don't agree with. And do I think this will be a lesson? Uh, the sequel trilogy learned to the star wars fans especially after the mandalorian which came out pretty much right at the release of rise of skywalker um mm -hmm. i can't predict yes or no but I, I will say i i would hope that there is some there's some consideration there from a lot of the more hardcore uh fans especially the ones that got really 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 fired up and upset uh, um, 
with Last Jedi and with all the little uh, diversity stuff like uh, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose and things like that. Things that I felt were incredibly unfair and uh, baseless and all that stuff. Um, but again, that goes back into Palpatine's it's only natural thing. I think that actually has a little more meaning to it. It wasn't just a joke that I did. I mean, it actually, th there's some truth to that. Like, it is it is only natural. And also, the context of that line delivery, which was coming from an evil Sith Lord, like, there is also, it's natural, but it's, it also speaks to something uh, very primal and very deeply... Uh, uh, vile in a lot of people, especially when something they love reaches that kind of fandom where it's it's not just a movie, it's not just a piece of uh, art, it's now a lifestyle, it's now uh, a religion, a cult, you know. Uh, and when it becomes something like that, things can get a little, a little scary, you know. You can never meet those expectations of those people. You know? It's all it's all supposed to be fun. I mean, these it's are movies. It's supposed to be. Fun. And, you know, Force Awakens, fun. Last Jedi, fun and a bit of a thinker. It gives you a little something extra. Rise of Skywalker, completely bat crap bonkers, but fun nonetheless. I kind of like to compare, I compare Rise of Skywalker sometimes to friends of mine. And um, I, I say it's almost like uh, Tony Scott's. Um, post man on fire phase oh god he was like doing domino yeah i love domino dude i love it too but it's not yes yes finally i find same. another fan of domino yes well, it's an insane movie but it's like, it is dude that that movie was written by richard kelly donnie darko and you know it, 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 tony scott read that script and was like you know what let's uh let's do acid film editing i'm gonna take yeah. the celluloid pr the print of the film, I'm gonna stomp on it. I'm gonna pour chemicals on it. I'm gonna cut it so friggin' fast you can't tell what's going on. And you know what? It's a, There's it's a not a thing you can do about it because it's Sunday. You want to go to the movies, and this is the only thing playing, buddy. It's and it's got Mickey movie. Rourke in it, and you know you're gonna see a Mickey Rourke movie. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's only a movie that if it had been made in the mid '80s would have been made with a mountain of cocaine. Yes. Oh well. Are are you sure it wasn't? You know, there's you still got cocaine. There. There's still <laughs> cocaine out there. I mean, maybe meth. Maybe, maybe meth is the thing now. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, but whatever the case is, drugs. Mm, <laughs> you know, that, boom, you know. And as we all know, drugs make you know help fuel the best movies. Like Stephen <laughs> King's uh, trucker movie. Oh God! Or truck movie, not not tr not trucker truck trucks. Maximum Overdrive. Oh my gosh! I helped do a uh, commentary track for that. Actually, uh, it's not on a, like a DVD or anything like that. This was just for fun, mm -hmm. and uh, and this was a first time watch for me. And we we just had a blast. Me and my friends watching that. It was it was like the craziest movie. And of course, we were like, okay, where can you tell the coke lines? are at uh, uh, in the background or on the film strip itself or the camera lens you know that whole movie was just painted with cocaine and it's beautiful in that sense it's not beautiful in terms of stephen king's health at the time you gotta or take a, that into consideration but or a quality yeah. movie but yeah it's, or a quality it's movie but but again going back to finding that little bit to latch on to it's like all right, you know, this movie's incredibly insane. It's made by gonna, a madman. 
Have you guys read Stephen King's autobiography? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm serious, serious question. Like, no, no, I, ha I yeah, have no, not. It's have very not. good. Um, he speaks about his writing process as part of the book, um, yeah. but he also just talks about those stories and those times and <laughs> how freaking drugged out of his mind he was in the early eighties. It's it's, it's hey, part but, sad, but it's also part beautiful because he's still alive. So it's not like you can say like, oh, the guy, the guy's heart exploded out of his chest. So now you can't say it's beautiful. No, it's it's still kind of beautiful in a way because he did that movie, Maximum Overdrive. We can talk about it now uh, with all that being said in hindsight. And it's not a good movie, but it's a cult movie. It's a movie that you can kind of get behind. You know, it's like the it's not the little movie that could. It's 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 the movie that was. Right. <laughs> you know, Dave, was this on writing? Yes. Is that the name? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I read it. I, I remember mostly because if you remember the movie 1308, that's where it get, comes out of. Oh, yeah. Um, the movie with John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson about the evil hotel room. The evil he, hotel room. Yeah, he starts it up as a writing exercise in that book to show people his writing process. And then he just finished it as a short story. And then it's a movie with John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson because <laughs> he's Stephen King. Yeah, he Stephen just King. he basically just craps out gold, Stephen King. He's a he's an alchemist, just yeah. like just like uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yep, very much so. He's like exactly, like exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, Star Wars, I think. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my laughs are really weird when I get into a mood, man. Like I, I get really gravelly sometimes, and it's just I can't, I can't help it. You know, I get really goofy. Uh, <laughs> it's alright. You're, you're in the right place. Yeah. What? what yeah, I, okay. What, yeah. What I wanted to ask you, like, and you know, I'll, I'll let the other guys see. Uh, you know, if there's anything else that you guys want to ask, Bill, but um, sure. there's one thing I. I wanted to really kind of pick your brain about George Lucas um, mm -hmm. and, well, really any of the directors of the Star Wars films. And, you know, obviously they have other works that they have done that are significant. Um, and they have a great deal of influences um, that, you know, influence the work that they do as well in a Star Wars movie. So I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that. And it's like, when you when you watch a movie like like the original Star Wars, do you get a, a greater appreciation for the movie knowing what George's background looks like and what George's influences were? Oh, uh, you mean like uh, Vision and uh, their inspirations, things like that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, obviously, as a kid, I didn't know a lot of those things, uh, like the Kurosawa background or the um, uh, Flash Gordon or the, uh, the serials, you know, I, I knew a little bit about serials growing up because uh, I, you know, had uh, who framed Roger rabbit uh, on VHS and they included uh, in the movie, there was like a bit where they were watching newsreels. And I think that was a part of a, um, uh, a film program in that movie where they were watching uh, cartoon serials and uh, I was like, oh, they used to do stuff like that back then? That's, that's pretty cool. It was like a whole day out, you know? Uh, it was pretty neat. It wasn't just two hours. It was like a whole event. 
mm -hmm. uh, which we were talking about earlier, but you know, those days have passed. Uh, so, or, or have they, you know, we don't know. Uh, but um, yes, I, the, it only furthers your, your appreciation for them. And it also complicates things just a little bit. Those movie, a document, well, I want to say it was more like an essay movie, an essay film, or a film essay. I, I don't know what the proper genre title for this is, but it it was a movie called Remix, uh, or was it called Remix? It was it was like a Remix Manifesto, and it was all about um, copyright and also who owns what, does anyone own art, those kind of things. Uh, a little bit about piracy, you know, stuff like that, and uh, how the digital landscape kind of change things, you know, Napster and, you know, all the, all the like LimeWire, that kind of stuff, uh, DJ music, you know, sampling. And there was this wonderful bit where they went into, um, there was a band, I think it was, uh, you know, they did that uh, Bittersweet Symphony and they borrowed a tune from the Rolling Stones, I believe, where the Rolling Stones made an argument that they took a tune from them. And, mm -hmm. and so, they won that court case, but then in this movie, the guy was like, well, actually, and then he traced it back from before the Rolling Stones to another band and then traced it from that band to another band. And he was like making the argument that, you know, something comes, everything, you know, has like, most things have a precedent, you know, you know, not, uh, there are very few things that are 100% truly original. It's almost like um, it takes a village. You know, have you heard that phrase? It takes a village, you know, to raise right. a child. It's kind of like that. Like, um, you're getting influence and information from all over the place, whether you know its context, whether you know it's where it came from or not. You're just getting it, and you're absorbing it. Uh, you know, hopefully over time you'll recognize and understand. But even if you don't, I mean, I don't think that's a big deal. You know, uh, if someone just brings it up to you, hey, this is kind of like that. You know. And you go, oh, wow, someone else did it. Okay. <laughs> you know, but that doesn't necessarily change it. Did you do an exact replica or was it like you, you were kind of doing your own take on it? You just didn't know, you know, your own interpretation of uh, that little angle that you saw it at. And, of course, everyone sees things differently. So, of course, your perspective is going to be different. George Lucas saw those movies remember those movies very much like Spielberg. You know, Spielberg was inspired by uh, those serials, those adventure movies, you know, uh, serials, episodes, uh, <laughs> Flash Gordon, of course, but uh, I believe there were also some really ones that no one, History Science Theater may have done a couple episodes about that, uh, like uh, uh, Crash of the Moons. That was one episode. That was based on a um, uh, serial series that was, what was the main character? Rocky Jones. It was like a like a space pilot hero type Han Solo ish rogue kind of, uh, but he was also an official like I guess military guy or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So maybe not Han Solo. <laughs> Han doesn't he doesn't team up with people like that. He doesn't he doesn't last long. <laughs> He's a rogue. But um, what I, I guess what I'm saying is yes, there there's definitely a lot of appreciation, but also there's the argument to be made about is anything original, and then of course. There's the other argument to be made from that point where, okay, maybe it wasn't original, but maybe now it is original because you took it and did something different with it. So maybe now that you know it wasn't original, you can really mix things up. And uh, 
you know, that was uh, Star Wars. Uh, that is still Star Wars, uh, at least until even Rise of Skywalker, which a lot of people, you know, were like, oh, they're playing it safe. You know, they're going back to to the Force Awakens in a way. And I was like, well, yes and no. You know, uh, the Force Awakens kind of had more of a. Um, it was a lot slower in, by comparison. They were actually taking their time to kind of introduce these new characters character arcs tell a story you know so on and so forth soft reboot sure but they were still you know doing the basic uh structure of a story rise of skywalker it's got no time to breathe no we gotta get this this done with you know <laughs> just right off the gate kylo ren is storming these these people he's lightsabering people to death goes right into that crazy cave you know underground cave mad scientist lab where <laughs> where palpatine's corpse is made clones of Snoke for some reason over time. He's like, I made him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then and then it just goes from there. And, and Poe is like, immediately after that, Poe's like, our worst fears have come true. Palpatine is somehow still alive. Or he says something to that mm-hmm. effect. And then, and then immediately it's a quest. But the quest doesn't have time to breathe. So there's no time to... There's no time to waste. There's an urgency, but the urgency is not built into the story. The urgency is just on the filmmaker's part. Let's just get this done. Let's move to the end, you know. And and in that to that extent, it is not the same as the Force Awakens or the Last Jedi or the sequels or I mean or the prequels or the originals. It is a, another whole new kind of Star Wars story. So. You know, we we can learn. I think I think filmmakers can definitely learn from the past. From and they do. They have to. Uh, I don't. I think there was a, a a really interesting story about a mathematician who lived out in the in a in a village somewhere in uh, Asia, I believe. And this was like a long time ago in a in a country far far away. Uh, <laughs> and he he just walked out of a village and he um, guess went to some some big bigger colony uh, or city and somehow saw a math equation and he solved it immediately and became this world renowned, uh, you know, mathematician, I guess, you know, and uh, so I guess sometimes it just comes naturally to people. It's like in Goodwill Hunting when Will was explaining to, uh, to his girlfriend, like, you know, sometimes you just look at something and instantly, you know, it, you know, you just got it. Um, but that's very rare with, most filmmakers, they have been inspired by something. They have been influenced by something, usually other movies and or television, maybe, or books even, you know, who knows, and cave paintings, perhaps. And they take that and they want to do it again, but they saw it from a particular angle and perspective, whether that was within themselves or whether that was their surrounding you know, the smell in the air, the, the light in the, you know, around them, whatever it was. And now they've made it their own. Um, now of course, this was a Disney movie. These are Disney movies now. I'm sure there was uh, a lot of <laughs> committee interference, you know, like, uh, we want this to happen. Can you throw this in there? We want that. To, I mean, you know, we got to be real about it. But even within those parameters, there is still room for original storytelling. And so, yes, uh, I think from that, that there is always going to be appreciation uh, for uh, these kind of movies, for these blockbusters, even ones that have almost completely 
exhausted whatever credit they had uh you know and star wars can can still um they can gain more credit you know mandalorian uh you know i think they've that's now proven you can get you can continue the creativity you can scale things back and get minimal and just do nuts and bolts uh you know biscuits and gravy <laughs> you know kind of storytelling and and boom you know go go to the go off to the races I, I think like the 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 contrast was stark when we talked we talked about that when you're watching Mandalorian and you're watching Rise of Skywalker at the same time and Mandalorian like you said bare bolt bare bones stripped down very yeah. personal story um, versus this huge colossal mess of a quest film like you said um, just completely polar opposite and I, I think like for me anyway the approach to the mandalorian was very welcome at the time and fredo i think you were gonna say yeah something. no i was gonna ask bill and, and this maybe you know we're talking about disney we're talking about uh um star wars and how much do you weigh the individual aspect of each uh, movie versus as part of a series uh i weigh it probably just actually I, I weigh it more than the series as a whole uh although i guess you could say the trilogies are kind of their own you know little series in the scape of things you know grand <laughs> the grand vision of things uh you know because obviously the prequels the originals you know they're almost their own arcs you know they are their own arcs uh there was never really a um as far as I know, a, a plan uh, totally to do more than just the original three. I think that it was kind of more of a gimmick. Like George, even George Lucas made the, um, A New Hope, and it was just called Star Wars at first. And then right. it was only like maybe a little bit after that he was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go back to this other idea. We're just gonna throw Episode Four, A New Hope, on there as kind of a homage to those uh, serials." And until someone maybe brought it up, you know, like, hey, is there going to be an episode five? And then he was like, oh, oh, you know what? Let's let's make this a series, you know, and we'll do two more. And then it just kind of snowballed from there and for better and worse or for worse and better, you know, however you want to look at it. And uh, I, I definitely would would put the, the uh, trilogies in their own mini series uh, as far as the entire series as a whole. Uh, I, I would not uh, bother trying to put it all together in terms of uh, one long story, one long-term story that has uh, kind of like a season, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or no, actually this would be more like a series. Each, each season would be the, the trilogies, I guess. But um, so this is a three season uh, show, I suppose, but if that's the case, then this is a bad show <laughs> or it's like American horror story, which isn't a bad show, but I'm just saying like each season is completely different. It's like a whole new setup, right? You know, uh, there's little continuation. There is continuation, but it's very, you know, subtle and, and, or maybe not subtle. Maybe it's just completely crazy, but, uh, it's there. And so I would personally speaking, give more weight to the individual impact of each single movie over how they are as a whole. Uh, I, I actually would rather think of them as that. There is that link, of course, continuity-wise, and it's good to take things in as a whole, like 
wow, this, these kind of flow really well into each other. But then once you start having that mentality, you start seeing there's some awkwardness in there, you know, like for example, from the last Jedi to rise of Skywalker, it's, it's like a hard cut, you know, it's like there was a, a record skip, you know, like, like it just, it's just like, it doesn't fit. It's not, it's a puzzle piece that you just jam together. You know, but I, except I would, I, I guess I would uh, argue one side of that, that if the the, the reason for a trilogy or, or the, the thought behind a trilogy is that that whole idea of a three-act play or an opera, and you have first act, second act, third act. Sure. And so if you're going to design it in that, if you're going to keep embracing that concept, then those three acts have to link together as one overall story. Otherwise, it's going to be like, you know the marvel movies where i mean yeah eventually they all get to end game you know but you know it's they're all you can you can watch one marvel movie and be fine with not seeing the other marvel movies you know sure. what I mean? it, it, they are kind of like they are well not are they are basically uh they're not kind of they are comic books in that i could pick up an issue of superman not know where the it takes place in what world in what universe, uh, in what iteration of that universe, if it's a remake, if it's a revisit, whatever. And it's basically its own story right there. Uh, you know, I used to actually collect Superman issues. This was when Superman was going through his uh, electro blue Superman phase, mm -hmm. uh, where he would phase in and out of buildings as opposed to just flying like a, like a person. And, uh, or uh, as a crypt, as a Kryptonian. <laughs> and, uh, I actually kind of liked that look at the time. I thought that was kind of, kind of crazy, you know, but I could pick up an issue and they would start and end. There'd be little, little similar things here and there that they continued from the other issues. But for the most part, it was something you could pick up and then set back down and it's fine. Uh, I think the same can also be said for the star Wars movies. It individually speaking, it definitely helps to have seen the others. Big time. And I think you can say the same about the MCU movies, just as you had said a moment ago. You could watch, you can start with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, if you wanted to, because it kind of, within the movie, sums up who these characters are. This is like within the opening 20 minutes. Sums up who these characters are, their dynamics with each other, where they've been, and then, of course, where they're going, and what the threat is, and what the conflict is going to be. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, mid-credit stingers, when those come in, it's like, oh, there's more to this. Well, maybe I need to watch the other movies. Maybe I need to go on from, you know, so it, if it's good enough, it entices you to see the, the others. Um, and of course, it doesn't have to uh, work that way. It can work really in a multitude of ways. Um, but yes, uh, within its own movie, there's the three-act structure. Within a, the trilogy, it's also kind of like a three-act structure. Uh, and I guess in a nine act movie, I mean, is that a thing? I mean, I don't know. I guess that would be, yeah, three trilogies. All right. One, two, three. Wow. Okay. But it gets, then it gets really confusing and contradictory because it's like, okay, each trilogy has its own dark place, second act, you know? And it's like, so which trilogy is the darker act? <laughs> yeah. Know, like, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like the original trilogy isn't the darkest act, and it, it's the middle it, section. It's the middle section. So it kind of yeah. exponentially. When, when once you get to that point, then you kind of realize uh, you realize two things. One, 
that this was never established or set up to be that long of a series. Uh, and that's fine. It just became this own, this, this big thing. And that's great. But, you know, let's not pretend that this was some big scheme, you know, this big thought out process, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to do all these movies, you know, and two time is, but a construct. I think what Aaron's that, getting that's a at. Joke. That's, that's a joke, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, not a joke, actually. That that might actually be. But <laughs> go ahead. It's fine. Time, time is a flat circle. Um, but you know, <laughs> one one of the things Aaron I think's getting at is like we're talking about this whole th- this this devotion to doing a trilogy. Yeah. And it and it and it, it doesn't necessarily have to go that way as the MCU is demonstrated you know you just tell interesting stories and connect them in whatever way you think uh makes the most sense um and 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 we 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 all struggled with rise of skywalker and i think part of the reason was it felt like three movies stuffed into one and it's like what if you had broken it into two movies or what if you had never painted yourself into a corner in the first place and said, this is going to be a trilogy and it's always going to be a trilogy going on forever and ever. You know, it's, I think it's like kind of an arbitrary thing that they're forcing upon themselves at this point. Like you said, to your point, there's nine movies now. It's like, is there any reason, is there any reason to keep, continue to do it that way? And I, Well, technically, you you know, there's no reason to continue, but there's also no reason not to continue. If these movies are – obviously, the box office takes have been going down, so it's like, you know, is it still worth it? But at the same time, Mandalorian has kind of revived things a bit, which was surprising. I think everyone was like, Rise of Skywalker, you know, that's going to be – you know, those are the expectations. These movies are going to be huge, and – and then they steadily went down from Force of Awakens to Last Jedi, and then eventually Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but Mandalorian, you know, there's still that spark. There's still that spark of creativity that can come out of all of this. You know, let's let's maybe think outside the box a bit within certain parameters, but maybe let's break those parameters. You know, why do we have to do it in a trilogy? You know, and for the longest time as a Star Wars fan, I used to think if they're going to do a prequel series, it has to be a trilogy because then. The originals were a trilogy. This has to be a trilogy. You know, I was all about structure and order for the longest time because I am legitimately someone who was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And I'm all about structure. <laughs> you know, things have to be placed just right in my room, even if my room is a complete chaos mess. You know what I mean? I know that that dirty towel that's growing mold is in the right place in the right position with the right aroma that is horrible and if someone comes into my room i will know because if that is out of place that's the indicator so for the longest time that was that was my thing but i've grown out of that and and i i feel like uh there can be structure and chaos and chaos and structure and you know what does it matter either way ultimately like you can the world is open. You can do all sorts of different things with these stories. It's, you know, uh, Red Letter Media, the dudes behind Mr. Plinkett, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the awesome Mr. Plinkett Star Wars prequel reviews, and now sequel reviews. Uh, well, I guess they got to do Rise of Skywalker, which I know they're going to have a blast doing. Uh, <laughs> right. But, uh, no, well, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, with, with those, uh, Rich Evans, 
uh, famous Rich Evans said something to the effect of um, uh, the Star Wars galaxy is not very big. This isn't a, a story that has a lot of legs. They didn't think that through into this. Uh, you know, it, it can only go so far. I, I very much disagree with that. I think there are so many places to go to. Uh, and if anything, the sequel trilogy kind of, and you could argue, you know, all these different things, but I think it, you can make the argument that yes, it it uh, it showed that you can do all sorts of crazy stuff with this uh, with this world, with this universe, or rather, with this galaxy. You can go to another galaxy if you want. It's still technically a Star War. Uh, you know, you can explore. I mean, you know, they're in one galaxy. I mean, you know how friggin' big the universe is. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, the, the movies don't play to, it's not like we're watching Interstellar, where it, it, there's kind of some science to it, relativity, all that good stuff, gravity, uh, but it's still like, okay, what's happening in this galaxy? What's happening a long time ago, even further and further away? Or what's happening longer ago? What's happening further in the future, you know? There, there's so many, those are just examples, but I mean, you can, you can explore weird characters like what about that uh weird worm looking guy and i could be talking about a sort an assortment of weird creatures and monsters that look like worms uh i guess the one i'm specifically <laughs> bringing up is the uh the hammerhead one in the most isolated cantina that you see with the little, uh no in the, a new hope uh who's oh. got the little butt he's got the little butthole mouth and he's like his language is like <laughs> oh yeah yeah I don't want to say what that sounds like, knowing that his mouth looks like a butthole, but uh, <laughs> granted, that character always stood out to me. I was like, who is he? Is that a he? Uh, is it a she? Is it something else? Is, is it something we don't know? Is it, Does it fall into whatever category? Is it a soldier? Is it just some dude that likes to hang out at this weird bar? I mean, what what is it, you know? And those are other stories, you know? In, in that movie, it worked as what, he worked as what it was, now what he was now he was used as a as um, as color basically as background flavor you know he was it was just wow this is a really weird cantina mm -hmm. you know i am far away from kansas i mean uh my moisture farm <laughs> you know so you can take it and go in so many different directions it doesn't have to be a trilogy it doesn't have to be this it doesn't have to be that um it's it, it can be anything and i think uh you know there's nothing wrong with hiring jj abrams to do a space movie he did it with star trek did it with star wars it's a little weird it's a little on the nose but whatever uh he's good at it uh ryan johnson clearly good at it uh i would have gone with a third different with a different director for the third one they didn't but that's fine whatever they want the safe bet now Mandalorian, I think that's showing you can do all you can bring in all sorts of different crew people. Uh, you know, you can you can go for the stars. The, the sky is not even the limit. There is no limit. No well, limits, like Master P. Well, I think that's uh that's an excellent uh point to uh maybe conclude on. That's uh I mean that, and that's neat where Star Wars is going. Um Bill, we want to thank you so much for all of your insight, all of your thoughts and great stories and everything and being an awesome guest on the hey, th hey. Yeah, th podcast. thank you guys too, man. I mean, when I heard about this podcast uh, way back, I mean, 
I was, th this was, I think this was around the time when I heard of it. I heard of the, um, there's a Simpsons podcast, uh, too, in New Orleans. And uh, I, I love those guys, too. And, um, you know, I, I, we have the Darth Vader uh, Saints fans. What was it? What's what's his name? Saints Darth Vader or Saints Vader? Or, or am I thinking too far into it? No, Saints uh, Vader. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the idea of that guy. I don't, I've never met the real person, but I like that character. I, I like the uh, the Legion. I like the uh, the crew of uh, Chewbacca. You know, I mm -hmm. love all these different things that combine with this kind of city that is New or you know New Orleans is is a galaxy far far away. You know, it very much fits that mold. It's not it's not um, uh, it's not Smallville. You know, nothing against Smallville. Smallville's great. So, uh, but it's not Smallville. So, Bill, how can uh, people find you online? You mentioned Twitter a couple times. How can people? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I am on Twitter at, of course, you have to use the at symbol, Bill, B-I-L-L, -L, reviews. Uh, all one word. <laughs> it's not one word, but it is one word in Twitter, uh, on Twitter. And I'm on Instagram, same place, at Bill Reviews. I uh, have begun writing a... Uh, blog on medium.com called, uh, and this is kind of an esoteric name, uh, Rogue Sagan, you know, kind of like Carl Sagan, you know, Rogue Dash Sagan. Uh, it's medium.com slash Rogue Dash Sagan. Uh, I think my next review is going to be, uh, oh, it's going to be a movie called Scree, made by one of my favorite filmmakers of uh, now, uh, Eugene Kotlerenko. It's a movie about social media and a madman who is trying to get as many likes as possible by killing as many people as possible while being an Uber driver. <laughs> well, okay. So not exactly not exactly Star Wars, but you know, it's it starts with an S. Oh, cool. <laughs> so it's so it's kind of <laughs> a little bit like that. He's not riding a cruiser, but it is, you know. Well, again. Fine. Thank you very, very much. And, uh, and as always, everybody's listening, you can find us on Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also on Twitter. What's our Twitter handle, Dave? Uh, I think it's uh, Huda Jedi P, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm sure oh. if you search for Huda Jedi, you'll find us. Um, but we're, we're often you know, bantering about Star Wars on there on Twitter. And like I said, we're also on Facebook. Um, so yeah, please listen, share, like, do whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, if you have some ideas for us for shows, you can tweet them at us. We'll, you know, we're, we're not too proud to beg as, you know, TLC said, um, with that, we will wish everybody a great and safe, uh, another week in this, uh, wonderful pandemic. And, uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. With that, we'll say Who Dat? And have a good weekend, everybody. Weekend, week, whatever. Have a good May one. The force, may the force be with all of you. My monkey.